Hey everyone, it's Vivian. So whatever had corrupted the audio for episode 6, making me start over and re-edit everything from the beginning, also corrupted the episode 7 audio, and unfortunately I haven't been able to save that one. Now, thankfully, it only affected my audio, but rather than posting an episode where you can only hear four of the five people who are speaking, we decided to do a little something different. We hope you like our weird experimental little episode, and we'll be back with a regular one next week. As the party made their way from the caves that they had previously inhabited and subsequently fucked up pretty good, yeah, defiled, the party spotted in the distance three torchlights muted by shadow and storm, carried aloft by three figures, also similarly amorphous. As the thunder claps once more and the clouds roil and boil in the sky above, what do y'all do? This is Vega's recollection of episode 7, take 1. After leaving the cave behind, a little worse for wear, we made for lights we had seen in the distance. We discovered that they belonged to three villagers from a local town. Now, it is important to remember that when meeting strangers, that trust and open communication are the first steps towards friendship, reassuring them that you mean no harm and offering your name in exchange for theirs is a good way to begin a relationship that will surely be beneficial for all. Anyways, after greeting them and introducing ourselves, we learned that their names were Julius, Lett, and Christoph and that they hailed from the town of Lemfort. We explained our situation and discovered that they too had been having trouble with Knowles lately. They took us to their village and we enjoyed pleasant conversation along the way. I'd like to think that we made three new friends that night. We talked and joked and were all looking forward to a mug of ale and a warm place to sleep. We were led to the village elder's home, and there we met Maxime. He was a kindly elder man, and I instantly took to him. Unfortunately, there was no ale to be found. But at least there was good conversation to be had. Imagine my surprise when I found out that Maxime had been to my home, to the shimmering peaks. Not many have made that journey and I would not have expected someone from such a small village. He made conversation with each one of us, but as it was late, we decided it would be best to retire for the evening. Let and her folks kindly gave us shelter for the night, which strangely, that Irvin girl refused in favor of sleeping outside. A very strange girl, that one. But finally, we were able to lay our heads down to rest after a wild and strange night, wondering where the storms would lead us tomorrow. As you crest over one final precipice, there is a pretty small village 
probably only about five, five households uh, are within this area. The fields that sort of occupy what little open space there is seem to be devoid of animal life. You see the remnants of crops and whatnot kind of standing tall against the storm as best they can, but what with it being the frosted four months or the tail end of it, they're not robust, especially. You see cows and a few other bits of livestock huddled in what seems to be some sort of uh, stable or saddle house. And uh, on the sort of northeastern end of town, there is a larger sort of lodge area. Is there anything more disappointing than losing your quarry? We search the mine to no avail. Indeed, it seems we have a particular knack for ruining things. I would blame my new companions if losing the knolls had not been my fault in the first instance, but by the ancestors there seems to be little I can do right these days. After the mine, we needed to find shelter. The rain had not let up, and the small, angry beings who blamed us for the death of their young were throwing spears. As we made our retreat, lights I had briefly noticed before drew closer. The torches of three curious but initially lost hostile locals who had been drawn from their village by the great thundering racket the Goliath had made. The elf disappeared into the grasses somehow. She seems to have the uncanny ability to blend in, despite that exquisite white cape. After a brief exchange, the locals agreed to show us the way to their town, a place they called Lemford. I'm amazed in truth that they were willing to allow such a group as us anywhere near civilization, but after months on the road I have to admit that the promise of a warm bed and a mug of ale was enough to drive away any suspicions. As we made our way over the hills towards the town, the three introduced themselves as later Christoph and Julius. I noticed how once again the elf in white managed to avoid revealing her name. I'm not sure how far I can trust her. They said that we were far from Helstetten, and that they have for some time been plagued by gnolls. It seems that the opportunity to capture this albino has not altogether escaped me, and although I loathe to admit it, I'm glad to be assisted for now by these strange new companions. It's just, I must not trust them too far, even the Goliath, whose presence makes me heartsick. When we reached Lemford, a town very still and very quiet, Letta and the others took us to the house of a certain Maxim, an elder of some sort, I suppose. He spoke with us briefly, the protective Goliath, the masked man, and was it just me or did he disguise his voice in some way? No matter. The enigmatic elf, and of course myself. He called me a tusk-toff. <laughs> what would my father have said of such a thing? But I suppose... Whilst I am in this world and he is in the other, I will never know. Maxim left us in the care of Johannes and Gilda, who offered us a place to stay for the night. The elf chose not to stay within the confines of the town and disappeared into the rain. By the ancestors, I'll never understand elves. For now I will try to rest and contemplate my situation. How will I find this knoll? What will I do once i found it? Another step closer to joining the assembly. Another step closer to seeing them again. So, after leaving the pygmy cave where we murdered 
several children. We encountered some villagers interested in Vegas spells. There was a lot of talking and pointless lying. I chose to say nothing rather than introduce myself because caution is a virtue. Later, I attempted to eavesdrop, I suppose, on Day asking about something, which didn't go particularly well, probably due to both the storm and the fact that she was whispering. We ended up in a village called Lanefoot, I think, where we met a sort of elder named Maxim, at which point I was sort of questioned about the mask, and so did the only thing that I could, and affected an accent to try and distract attention from it, I suppose. Letta kind of opens the door into this space and uh, allows each of you to filter in. To the side you see uh, a countertop that's devoid of goods, but you you figure at least uh, most assuredly stocked were it not so late. Letta kind of gathers all of you. Uh, she sort of holds up her hand and holds her finger to her mouth quite softly as she kind of shushes you to depart further back. A couple of minutes and a, a few hushed words are exchanged as you see two older couple walk out and in very, very simple robes. They kind of look to you uh, and blink a few times. What happened in the cave was most unfortunate, and it does lower my spirits to think that my over-eager investigation destroyed such a marvelous scene. Had I the time and privacy, I would have spent more time with the cow carcass and inert wood woad. But there was a bit of pressure to leave. We emerged into the night no worse for wear, though emotional baggage seemed to weigh heavily on my companions, but our luck was not destined to last. After only a few moments, we were beset by three hooded strangers carrying bows and torches. I was able to blend into our surroundings and sneak closer, allowing myself a better view of the approaching three. I reached out to Asta's mind when I saw one notch an arrow, urging her and the others to hide. It may come as no shock that my warning was not heeded, and instead Vega began shouting. Besides giving himself and the others away, the fool started lying. Poorly about the most trivial details, causing the strangers to become suspicious. What they thought we were doing, I don't know, but it was no crime we were guilty of committing. Undeterred by the foot lodged so tightly in his mouth, he told the strangers that I was hiding, and before I could wonder whether it was worth the continued headache to stick around, I had been discovered. Thankfully, my assurance is that my friend, was both an idiot and harmless, calmed the strangers down. Aster implored them for shelter and medical assistance for the wounded Goliath, and thus we began a tedious trudge to their village. The three introduced themselves, and it was clear to me that Christoph was the leader of the trio. Julius, who sported in... <laughs> 
ugly beard, a particularly human ailment, I am afraid, how they so tried to emulate the glorious hairs of the dwarves, offering instead scraggly patches that cling to weak chins and thin lips. Anyways, Julius remained quiet the entire way, and Letta spoke with Vega and Aster. I have learned a fair number of human rituals in my time, and so I engaged in the appropriate amount of small talk with Kristoff before asking him what he knew of the crystal I sought. Rather quickly, he proved himself to be of little value. In fact, after a series of questions from all of us, it appeared that our escorting party could tell us little, deferring our inquiries to an elder we were to meet shortly. Late as it was, we blessedly had little time for pleasantries upon arrival. Awkward introductions were unavoidable, and one in our party had a sudden change of voice. Is he lying about the scars hidden under his mask, I wonder? Maxim, the elder, said he would make time for us in the morning and sent us off for rest. Letta's parents offered us a place in their home, though I declined, preferring nothing more than the sky overhead. What we will find in this small village is unknown. I think only of Maxim and the answers he may offer. May he prove useful. Your first day of adventuring finally ends. Thank you all so very much for joining us today. <laughs> the dawn of the second day comes next episode of The Undersiders. I believe we have some shout-outs. So yeah, thanks for joining us. Shout out this week for people who've been in touch with us, who's left, who have let us know that we don't suck, which is super nice. Um, from Ohio Yeti, Ohio Yeti, and uh, LJ Haydorn. Or Hedron, Hedorn. Thanks so much for getting in touch. That's really nice of you. Um, you can follow us at Undersiders Pod on Twitter. That's Undersiders P O D. And please leave us a five star review on iTunes if you enjoyed it. And tell all your friends about it. It's super important for a babe podcast like us. And see you next week. Remember when we just used to have rocks that we would sometimes bang together to make a fun sound? I remember those days. <laughs>